Hello and welcome back to Control-Alt-Delete podcast. My guest today is Grace Beverly. She was voted recently London's Young Entrepreneur of the Year. She's the founder of two companies, a sustainable style brand, Tala, and a fitness tech brand, Shreddy. She's also now an author of the book, Working Hard, Hardly Working, How to Achieve More, Stress Less, and Feel Fulfilled. She's only 23 and she's already been named in the Forbes list. She's graduated from Oxford Uni. She has a sustainable business accreditation from Harvard Business School. And I'm really glad she came on the podcast because I've been following her for a few years and just watching her do all of these things and also being really honest about it as well and talking about hustle culture and definitions of success and what modern work looks like and side hustles and really just looking at it through that lens of being a younger millennial and Gen Z and looking at what the working culture looks like at the moment and all the confusing signals on productivity and success that we keep being fed mainly on social media. Her book is a look at how to find your own balance, reclaim your own definition of success and loads of really helpful tips along the way and lessons from things going right and things going wrong for Grace. The book's really interesting because you get to hear more about her. It's not a memoir, it's more of a business book, but you do get a peek of the behind the scenes of everything that she's been building over the last few years. Really enjoyed it and I hope you enjoy this conversation between us. So welcome, Grace, to Control-Alt-Delete. Really excited to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. I loved your book, and I'm going to try not to be that person that references how old they feel, but I did feel like your book was this almost like younger millennial version of books that I've read and written, and I absolutely loved it. It was like getting a little look into your world, which was so nice. And I wanted to start off just by asking you, I guess about how that was like balancing your businesses at uni because when I was at uni it was like the Facebook era and it's relatively new that someone can go to uni and you know use the internet in that way so what was it like at the time? Yeah I I mean I think it's really um, it's really interesting looking back because I think that I was I was just so intent on making all of it work I was intent on making the kind of social media thing work and making the businesses work and then making um and then also having no one suspect that there was kind of anything that pulled me away from my uni work or you know that any essay wasn't up to the best standard I could do so I think I was just so you know I look back now and I kind of think like god you really could have slowed down a bit (laughs) I enjoyed it a bit more but then I also think that you know during that time I really benefited from having like doing everything in such routine to balance everything um and and it you know it was as you say like very much enabled by by the existence of social media and by the existence of you know being able to have like a direct consumer um brand and everything um so yeah I mean it full on um and and look back and think like oh younger Grace could have had a bit more of a break um but you know I think I think we all look back and think those things sometimes well it was amazing in the book because I feel like you're reflecting on maybe four or five years and you've you've sound so wise and like you've learned so much in quite a short period of time I think for some people it would have been a decade or something in order to look back but it shows how quickly things move and it was interesting what you were saying about starting the Instagram account when you were 18 and that you didn't monetize it straight away I didn't I thought I assumed you'd kind of gone in all guns blazing but it grew naturally then 
Yeah, so so I think that I often look back and I either think like that this just grew completely organically or I think, you know, that other side. And when I'm looking back, it depends the way I'm looking back and the way that I kind of see it, if that makes sense. So I, I remember right at the beginning when I started it, it was very organic. It was very kind of unfiltered. I didn't post my face until I had to like 10,000 followers I think it was um and it was very kind of it was just a diary it was an accountability thing it was me trying to get into fitness but then as soon as I wanted to make it work I really was trying to like I work out that like a workout would really work if it was posted at 7 p.m and so I'd make sure that on the weekends I'd be filming six workouts to post every other day of the week um I really like did it systematically kind of in that way um and I just think at the time as well the social media and the influencer industry has developed so much since then. And even then, I remember in my first year at university, probably when I had about 100,000 followers, at that point, I was having to persuade brands to even, you know, to even send me gifting in return for 10 posts. (laughs) And it was kind of, um, it was a completely different landscape um, in the way that, you know, anything was being looked at and anything was being kind of um used in terms of the influencer yeah the influencer marketing thing um so the first time I properly did monetize it was actually with a business um rather than being from brand deals the brand deals actually started to come a bit after that um I had a few before um but you know that really started to flow after as the influencer marketing kind of industry grew um so I think that when I look back it's slightly clouded by what the industry is now um whereas it was a lot more I feel like it was a lot more gradual back then yeah well that's comforting to know that if it even knew it was that hustle at the beginning because I do think when people join or they follow an account you know a few years after they kind of assume it all happened overnight and it never does and I wanted to ask you on that um working so hard on it and I don't know if this is an assumption and just something I felt when I was doing a similar thing but I guess in the blogging world I felt like I had to work really really hard on it to prove to people that it was a proper thing because I know in the book you reference some of your friends or other people might have gone on to get a big shiny corporate job and what you're Mm. doing is obviously incredible but there's a bit of that having to approve yourself I felt yeah no I think I mean I think that also a lot of that isn't necessarily other people's opinions I think it was my own internalized view of success so Mm. I kind of thought you know my view of success was was at that stage it was corporate it was getting a grad role it was graduating with x y and z and getting a spring internship and all of that and so I think that when I was doing other things I wasn't necessarily you know in I kind of talk about in the book I think when I was frantically googling kind of like quote-unquote normal jobs um (laughs) in my last year when I was about to launch another business and had already had a business that was about two three years old um and that was just because I had so ingrained this like one black and white view of what success would look like to me and so I think it was more me trying to prove that to myself because I couldn't see if if I was googling jobs in my final year at uni even when I had these businesses I clearly couldn't see that I had genuinely actually taken that path I kind of saw it that I was still experimenting and had that opportunity at uni that a lot of people don't have that I was kind of able to not take a big leap of faith and leave a job or anything it was just about trying out to see if it worked so I think I was so and I've, I've always been very kind of um I found it harder to slow down and I've used work very much as a coping mechanism in some ways. And I think that for me, that was a lot of that was involved. Like I needed to prove how hard it was and how, you know, how I um, 
kind of yeah how hard I had to work to to get that sort of approval as you're saying and I, I really did especially when I was you know working at IBM for example I would work all weekend and I'd get up at five and go I'd, I'd go to the gym at five and take like workout videos and show on my story that I was doing that well, I'm actually not even sure if stories existed at the time but I think it was something where I so had to legitimize it for myself above anything else wow oh, yeah that's so interesting how hard we are on ourselves sometimes it's not even other people's yeah opinions. I think I was protecting <laughs> from other people but it was actually probably entirely myself instead because I guess we're still living in this world of the traditional marker of success for entrepreneurs is definitely the headline that is you know young millionaire type thing mm. and I and I and I guess you've kind of been grouped into that a little bit in terms of you're so young you're running two businesses you clearly are doing so well in so many ways is there more nuance to that that element of success for you do you look at that and think oh that's what I want which is there's nothing wrong with or are you thinking there's other ways you feel successful I think that I think this is the probably the problem or the complexity that comes with the idea of success in that you never in this I kind of compare it in the book to the happiness trap and the idea that you're never going to always be happy you have to experience a full range of emotions in order to feel happy in the moment you're feeling happy and I kind of relate this to the idea of success as well and how you're never just going to hit a point and then feel successful it has to be a kind of small accumulation of that a lot of the time and in order to for that to kind of give you a wider feeling of success or fulfillment or accomplishment in your life that's kind of the way I see it and I think that what I then realized because you get to every point that you have a success and and I know that I'm so bad at actually acknowledging that. And instead, I'm just like, more, more, more. Like, I've got to do this. I've got to do this. I've got to do this. And one of one of the things I, I, I wrote a kind of speech or letter to my younger self recently um, and, and posted it online. And it was a lot of it was kind of focused around internalize your success like make a commitment to yourself that every time you do something that you would can that past you or last week's you or yesterday's you would consider successful actually internalize it and even if it's just like an under desk fist pump or whatever that might be and I think that is because this idea of success is kind of so elusive and um ineffable and all of that that it's really hard to feel like you've achieved that so I guess in a way there's you know yes I I feel successful and it's amazing you know talking to people and having that kind of reception I guess um but then on the other side of that there's also the understanding that that's never going to feel successful for me until I really concentrate on internalizing it and recognizing it myself because otherwise it's just you know it's the same as us we were just talking about proving it to ourselves Mm -hmm. you kind of have to prove that idea of success to yourself um otherwise the outward validation and kind of big capital S like branding of success kind of means nothing I guess it sounds a bit depressing (laughs) no but that that's really good advice you know for people who want to kind of snapshot those moments because I guess what you're saying is being in the moment more and actually taking it in and taking a moment to think that was a really good day or that was a really good week yeah Um, yeah and I think we're all kind of slightly ingrained especially I think I think you know it really is spurred on by social media and and you might disagree. I don't think everything's a it kind of stems back to social media, but I think now as well, as someone who is so constantly um, 
I'm not necessarily so constantly on social media, but, you know, within that landscape, it's really easy to see the constant stream of like announcements and success from other people. And therefore, if your micro like achievement that day isn't necessarily on that big um, banner of success that kind of compares to theirs, then instantly yours is almost belittled and it's not by anyone else but it's just by the very nature of being surrounded by so many other people virtually um and so for me that's just been really important about recognizing like okay there's always going to be someone who announces something on a day where you were actually really proud of yourself or whatever and it's definitely just part of the landscape and it's something that you know not so much anymore because I've really concentrated on on learning it but as I especially when I was younger and when I was really trying to make all of this work I found it often kind of just it, it often got in the way of my own internalization and recognition of success when it just should have been like, that's fine. You know, you still get, you still deserve that fist pump. Yeah, totally. It's so interesting because I get pitched loads of guests on this podcast of people who are like, oh, I retired when I was 30 and I have loads of money. And to me, I'm like, but I don't really have anything to talk to you about then because for me, <laughs> success means like living your life kind of onwards. Like what, where does it end if you're kind of, you've just made it I don't really believe in it going that yeah. way sometimes I guess I guess it's just like different views of fulfillment isn't it like yeah. if yeah. For some people it might be a, you know there are so many different types of success and everyone will see success differently and I guess you know for some people it might be that fulfillment is every day doing that thing they love or getting into their flow or um, working with people that make them feel great or doing something charitable or whatever that might be and then fulfillment for other people might be just having reached that point and not having anything to worry about. And and I guess there are so many different types of people and so many different types of ambition and types of success. And I think for me, you know, that the real recognition of the fact that actually my dream life did not necessarily involve just the influencer thing, like as, as fantastic and amazing and incredibly fortunate as that was. You know, I write in the book that actually I got to a point where I realized that as amazing a lot of that was in the traveling and those types of aspects. Actually, my fulfillment every day came from working with amazing teams and building brands and um, working through crises and all of that stuff that sounds like insane. But that was it for me. And I think as soon as I was able to kind of think, OK, that's, you know, that I'm, I'm these ideas of fulfillment and success are slightly different. So as long as I'm working towards mine, um, then yeah, then I guess I guess we're all good. Yeah, definitely, definitely. There's so many different ways we can feel successful. And I guess I wanted to touch on that a little bit, just that talking of feeling successful. I feel like personally, and I think I've heard you say similar things. For me, I'm definitely at that point in my career where I think being not being on social media and being able to do what I do is almost my definition of success at the moment. <laughs> I don't really want to go on there as much. I'm guessing you feel that way as well. I, I have, I, I mean, I feel it to different extents. And I think that part of it has been my poor treatment or my poor relationship of social media um, and, and, and like learning how to navigate that better or how to compare myself less or how to, you know, just all of these various different things that we kind of need to learn to navigate within social media. But I do think, yes, the, the whole idea, I guess, in the first place, other than loving building the brands and really wanting to build these specific brands for moving towards that was the like longevity without 
social media Mm -hmm. because also you know I guess people talk about like not knowing the long-term effects of you know this that and the other but actually we really don't know the long-term effects of social media and I think we've started we've kind of had the first cycle of influencers who've been huge online and then gone offline and and everything and it's kind of like with and I think it will be especially the case with women it's kind of like within acting or music or um within those creative industries how it's a it's quite a short burst career and it's a short burst area of being able to like leverage that and longevity. And so I think that the, it's quite interesting to, you know, think personally about what you, what you do want. And I know for me, I completely agree with that, that I, I, I at least want to come on social media by choice rather than needing to use that to leverage for work or whatever that might be um and and I think there are some really fantastic things about social media and I I I, I kind of doubt that I'll ever completely disappear off it um but yeah I I very much get that um that idea of kind of just being able to step back and being able to not rely on that for work or for um you know for this idea of success it's it's almost like a catch-22 sometimes, isn't it? Because I, I know that having that platform, it is really important, isn't it, to do lots of things at the moment. And I know people who are so talented and they don't have like loads of followers on Instagram and they do miss out or lose out on opportunities. And sometimes I just think, God, it's such a weird time we're in because we almost have to have it, even if we don't really want to make it a huge part of our career. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the landscape. It's the, you know, you have to have LinkedIn to get a job. You have to shout about your work to get more work. And, and there are some great things that come with that. And I think one of the great things is, you know, really encouraging, especially women to be shouting about their work, which is traditionally not necessarily something um, that has been kind of encouraged. And that, you know, the reward mechanism on social media or in getting more work is directly kind of wired to benefit from that. Um, and on the other hand, you know, there is this, you do have to be part of the landscape and you do have to be to have a concentration on social media whenever I'm mentoring or talking to anyone about building a business or um, going self-employed or any of that it it always really does come back to social media now Mm -hmm. and there almost is no choice so I mean you know there is a choice and it's it's a fantastic platform in a lot of ways but but yeah I, I agree with what you're saying and I think it can I mean, it can be daunting as well, because there's part of that that means social media by its very nature, then you're working 24-7 or having exposure to be working 24-7. And it's completely tied in with your personal life as well. So there are other dangers that come with that, too, other than just, you know, the longevity and everything that comes and success that comes with, you know, having a platform. Yeah, totally. I completely agree. And I feel like it's like you we didn't make the rules but you kind of still have to play the game but like whatever game. whatever exactly. it is you're getting rewarded for it's like well that is sort of the world we're in unfortunately and fortunately um but I I love the book I love the really helpful tips in the book as well because I got to learn more about you but also there's some really good stuff in there that like for example I've actually started doing one of your tips this week and it's been really good there was something oh, um, really? yeah you said don't start the day with your admin <laughs> Oh, yes. And I do that all the time. And you're so right. It sucks away all of my energy in the mornings. Yeah. And I think we think we're doing the right thing. That's what I kind of pinpointed down to. This was me coming into lockdown last year. And I just wanted to come down and get all of those things that I could just tick off quickly out the way. And then it would literally be 2pm. And of course, I don't want to brainstorm a whole new campaign or um, kind of conceptualize like this, that and the other, because my creativity is 
zapped. And I think, you know, one of those important things is really learning about your, you know, for someone who might need to warm up a bit, maybe they do want to do ad, admin for an hour and maybe that does help both get things done and, um, you know, warm up and get into the right headspace. But I actually think the majority of the time it's, it's almost because we want to tick a few things off um, and actually would be better off doing the kind of deep work, really engaging brain earlier on. And then, you know, you can sit there, listen to some music and click through your admin and everything. I'm so glad you found that helpful. Um, and I think it varies from person to person, but I think that's something that a lot of us do and don't necessarily even realize we're doing. Yeah, and on a bigger level, even though it's a very small tip, it actually taps into something bigger, which is put yourself first or put your priorities first. So for me at the moment, I'm trying to write a new idea and that should be what I start my day with, but I'm kind of putting other people first if I'm going into my inbox for a few hours in the, at the beginning. So yeah, really love that. And there's so much more of that to anyone listening in the book. Um, but it sounds like you you learned a lot about yourself during the lockdown period. I, I feel like for anyone who is a bit of a overachiever or just someone who is busy, someone that's out and about a lot, it's forced us to take a look at our lives, hasn't it? Um, what 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 are the bigger things that have changed for you? Well, I think I mean I think part of it is the lockdown thing, and part of it is the you know fact that lockdown for me coincided with writing this book mm-hmm. um and I think that you know when I when I decided to pitch this book it was very rather than it being like oh I need to write a book it was very much I'm thinking about this so much and I'm talking about this so much that I want to see if it formulates into a good idea that I could you know pitch and explore and um you know be given the opportunity to explore um and that was the most exciting thing about writing this book was that I so I so believe this conversation around working culture and how it all fits in with things like social media, self-worth, tied to productivity and all of that, I think really, really needed to be discussed. And then when we hit the pandemic, it was kind of like, okay, there's, it seems like this like productivity camp and like hustle camp is like versus this self-care and looking after yourself camp. And yet we both, we need both of them. Like you can't have one without the other. And so all of these ideas very much just came into the the, the way I then wrote the book was very much through a lens of self-exploration and kind of I I suffer from all of these problems or all of these wrongly timed, tied kind of ties between self-worth and productivity. So how can I explore it in a way that is, you know, interesting and helpful to other people, um, which, yeah, which kind of is obviously what it's kind of come out to be, hopefully. Um, but But so I think that for me during this whole lockdown period and with writing the book, it's all just been about really analyzing like where where I could be better, not in terms of achievements, but in terms of recognizing things like success, recognizing things like where I push myself or where I don't have enough boundaries. Um, and so for me, it's always be, it's just been about being kind of more analytical of myself and more insular in terms of actually having those conversations with myself and what serves me, what doesn't as much and everything. Um, so yeah, I feel like it's kind of been like a mini existential work crisis <laughs> that hopefully come out in a semi-good book. <laughs> it's really good. And it's actually, yeah, really like intellectual in terms of that, you unpicking this sort of self-care, slowing down status symbol of success versus 
maybe our inner achiever or our ambition, which is no bad thing. And there were bits in the book that reminded me of when, you know, at school, when you get someone who pretends they never do their homework and then yeah. and then they come out with all A's and you're like, oh, I thought you weren't doing anything. I feel like sometimes yeah, that's Instagram. Like everyone's pretending to be relaxed and doing the self-care, but I don't think many people actually are. It's really weird. And then I think on the other, there's kind of an other side of that as well, where everyone's pretending to hustle 24-7 and never rest. Yeah. If it, it depends which area of social media you're in. And I think I think somehow I've squarely put myself, in terms of the people I follow, I've squarely put myself in between those people. So I follow lots of like entrepreneurs who I really respect, but then also who are, you know, sometimes I see their stories and I'm like, you're lying. Like, <laughs> it's, well, it's not even that you're lying, but like you must sleep. Like you are a human being. So I know that if you haven't slept within the past week, you will be dead. So like there must be some like, um, I guess, leeway here in the way we talk about it. And then on the other side, you're exactly right. There's this idea of being like a self-care icon. Um, while actually, you know, you have to have some of that hard work and have to have some of that idea of hustle and everything in order to be able to make all of it work. So I kind of completely agree. Um, and I think that the reasoning for this is because self-care and productivity aren't combated enough within the same not within the same sentence, but within the same concept, it's kind of seen as you pick between one or the other rather than being like, okay, but we all need both of these. So how can we actually create realistic boundaries and kind of guidelines even for ourselves on how we balance the two? Because if you just concentrate on one or just concentrate on the other, you're you're losing out, like you're losing out on the whole picture. Yeah, it's it's actually a real individual deep dive, I think. This book takes you on a bit of a journey to work out what you personally how you want to live your life, I guess, because it's interesting. I, I did see myself in the bit where you describe yourself as a lazy workaholic, because I, I, there, it is an irony. There is an irony, I think, in being someone who's quite productive, but you feel quite lazy. Because if, if my boyfriend would say that he just sees me in my dressing gown all the time, but then other people think I'm this like productivity machine. And I don't know how it works, but it just does. <laughs> Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I think that, you know, the lazy workaholic thing was something I wrote in the original pitch. And then it very much stuck. And then throughout the book, I kind of, I said it and I agree with it. And then I also was refuting it at the same time. So I was saying, you know, the whole point is that I feel lazy and yet I'm a workaholic. So there must be something mismatched here. Like there must be something in our ideals of work that we don't quite understand. Like if we're calling people who work a 40 hour week lazy because they don't have a side hustle or they don't monetize all of their hobbies, that's a problem. Like that's a structural problem and that's a problem with our work ideals. And the same thing is, you know, on the other side, if we think <laughs> this kind of idea that we, you know, I, I think I am a workaholic and I think that is in some ways like a negative thing. And I think I really need to improve my boundaries in a lot of ways. And, you know, you've caught me on a week where I am really like balls to the wall. So, so I'm kind of particularly feeling like that. But also there's this idea of kind of like rewarded and glamorized workaholism and, um, kind of what's it called I talk in the book about like the idea of like toil glamour and work kind of you know in those articles about work being almost like spiritual and it's something we have to be talk about talking about how how crazy it is and how much we're doing so I think both of these things kind of really come to war and I just ended up with the fact that yes I can still consider myself a lazy workaholic but I'm not sure why and I know it's because there's a problem there but I can't, I can't really get to the bottom of it yeah it's it's fascinating because I, I think that hustle culture 
is still a thing but I also think that there's this new definition of success that seems in the in the culture where if I get an email from someone and they're out of office says hello I'm away and I only check my emails like for 30 minutes every week I'm like oh my god that's a like yeah. really you know big time person I don't know yeah exactly and I think there there are both sides of it and um you know as we were kind of talking about there's the one side where you're amazing at self-care and look like you never work and then there's the other side where you look like you only work and never sleep um and I think that there's it's just a it's a bigger conversation it's a bigger I think part of it does tie back to you know I talk about in when I talk about the idea of kind of like finding your purpose it's very much about the idea that now if you find your purpose it has to be hyper lucrative hyper fulfilling and also the first step on the career ladder um and we're kind of expected or we expect within our first few years of work that we are going to be doing something that fulfills us every day and is our purpose and all of that. Um, And I think it kind of ties into what you're saying um, about that in terms of the rise of, there's the idea that we kind of need to be working all the time and really successful, but also the idea that we have to be working none of the time and really successful. And it's kind of like, okay, well, how do we navigate this? Because this is pretty direct contradicting yeah and also those are actually possible yeah I feel like that that is your book in a nutshell it's it's really (laughs) unique in that way I think it stands out amongst the business books for being looking at that exact clash and it's it's really good um so I I I mean I wanted to ask you what what your version of having it all is then because I love that you mentioned that in the book because that's a phrase that goes back decades and decades and feels really Mm -hmm. old school but it's still feels like it's still a phrase for women I, I'm still grappling with what it is I, I've written recently about how I don't think I want to have children and how I still feel yeah. like I can have it all even if I don't do that but what right now what do you think having it all means for you oh I think well I think it's difficult because there's so much there's so much literature around it and there's so much kind of what having it all means having it all doesn't mean doing it all or you can have it all but you can't have it all all of the time Mm. and all of these things I think they all you know ring quite true and I think what it all boils down to is the fact that this kind of work-life balance is very reductive it's yeah it's very reductive and it's very a very simplified view of what actually a work-life balance looks like and I don't think that's groundbreaking to say that I'm not the first person to say that however I what I do think is that the the kind of idea of having it all and the idea of this balance or the idea of being able to navigate all different areas of life and being able to have 2.5 children and earn this much and everything is that the idea of having it all is going to be so subjective to each of us and changing all the time Mm -hmm. so my now or my having it all I think you know five years ago would be me being in a corporate job now living in a flat in relatively central London with my friends all of this and then now it's completely different to that and and that would have been like everything for me then and now my having it all actually is about really trying to work out how I navigate work and not let it take over my entire life and also learn how to reward myself and learn how to internalize my success and learn how to be content sometimes without always striving for more and so for me having it all is about continuously checking in with what that actual all is um and I know that's kind of a very roundabout um answer but I think for me there is no there is currently no end goal or big shiny this is what I want which is what makes it so hard to navigate because yeah, that, yeah. You, you know it needs to just be about constantly touching base and thinking okay what do I actually want okay has that evolved does it change and that's why I think it's really important when we look at 
success, not just in the end term, but also in the medium term and in the short term um, to be able to kind of regroup and get back to it and say, okay, actually my having it all for this year is just learning to do this better or just learning to do this better or getting that promotion or learning not to burn the candle at both ends. Um, and, and that for me, I've just kind of tried to drop the all and just think about the like, what do I want to have, I guess. Yeah, that's really good advice. I love that. It's almost like breaking it up into chunks of what, what does having it all mean literally right now, this day? Because um, yeah. it's it's funny how things change and you do go through chapters and I was a workaholic in my 20s for sure. But I actually, I look back and I don't want to be too hard on my 20 something self because mm-hmm. I actually have a really nice life now because of everything yeah. she did for me. So I'm, it's mm-hmm. almost like, maybe it's okay to do the hustle thing, but you have to just check in yeah. every now and again. And I, and I think what I really wanted from the book as well was that I don't want to demonize either side. And I don't think it's the problem of the people on either side. I think it was a problem with the wider culture where, you know, we always look at someone who, you know, is working loads and we always have something to criticize about that. We always look at the other side. We have something to criticize about that. We have some criticism about, you know, basically everything. And the surely then the ideal is working out what you want, what your balance is, what your all is at this point in time, and then making sure you're kind of course correcting to be on that track. Because I completely agree, you know, uni, uni me built what I work on now. So as much as I look back and be like, come on, go out, like literally just go out to the club with your friends. You don't need to, like you can move that thing tomorrow or you don't need to go down to London every weekend just to make sure you're in a nicely lit gym to film. And actually just <laughs> actually looking at that and say, okay, but also I was I was hustling and I was trying to make something work and I did make something work. So there's also part of that where you can always, you can always look at, what a different all would look like within that time but actually you know sometimes you just sometimes you just were making it work yeah and you can do that and do differently next time or do the same all over again I know I often criticize it and then do the same again I guess that's the beauty of the internet as well as we can chop and change what we find inspiring and motivating because in different times of your life you're going to want to follow different things and you know, I still like a bit of all of it in my feed, a bit of self-care, yeah. a bit of hustle, a bit of, a bit of everything, just yeah. so I can, you know, if it, it fills all the gaps. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I, I completely agree. And I think that what I've tried to do is really encourage myself to actually check in more as well with, especially in isolation and in the pandemic, actually that kind of, <laughs> we kind of have a virtual support bubble as well. We kind of have this, um, you know, these people, not just that we're living with and seeing every day and only them, but also all the people online, we're, li- we're kind of seeing them every day. And in the same way as living with people every day, it can get suffocating. And so what I've tried to do a lot more of as well is really touch in w- with, you know, what do I want to, am, am I doing too much of this at the moment? Therefore, do I want this type of motivation or do I want this type of chill factor or or any of that? So I, I completely agree. And I think curating your surroundings um, can be a really key part of actually navigating this online world. Yeah, totally. Well, I thought I'd just end on the, the bit in the book I, I thought we could talk about quickly was I, I learned a new word in your book, which was very exciting. Um, I'd not heard of bore out before. I know that everyone's talking oh, about yes. burnout, but you talk about bore out. Would you be able to just tell us a bit about it? Because I feel, yeah, I'd, I'd never heard it. 
Yes, absolutely. And I'm so glad you asked me this because I feel, you know, I've been doing lots of amazing press at the moment and it's been so much fun. And I feel like there's different things that each person picks out. And this one hasn't been asked to me yet. So I'm very excited <laughs> you asked me. Um, but essentially the, the difference between bore out and burnout is that they have the same symptoms. Um, so, you know, it can be anything from feeling like you can't work, you can't get out of bed or your brain is just completely foggy and you can't do anything um, to feeling like really mentally drained and properly needing to be signed off work for a significant amount of time. And the idea of bore out is actually they come from opposite symptoms. So burnout uh, from opposite causes. So burnout would be, you know, going balls to the walls all the time, burning the candle at both ends, not scheduling rest, not seeing rest as a key part of your productivity and all of that. And bore out is actually about, you know, actually not having enough that fulfills you or not having enough that you do that makes you happy or kind of um, feeling like you're putting yourself, you're, you're worth it and you're valued in your workplace and all of that, that actually leads to the exact same symptoms. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's relevant more and more and also at a younger level. I think a lot of the time we talk about um, burnout when we should be talking about bore out. A lot of, you know, if you don't have things that fulfill you in your everyday, even if it's just that one thing you do at work or that one hobby you do after work, then it really is easy to get to feel, you know, I, I know a lot of my friends often feel in their jobs that, you know, they feel unfulfilled, they feel unvalued, they feel like, they're not making steps anywhere. And I think that needs to be talked about more and more too, because if we're talking about this idealization of this world on social media and announcement culture and success um, and this, that and the other, we also have to talk about the fact that without that or without feeling like you're part of that, it really comes with the opposite. And actually what I found most interesting about looking into bore out was actually that in places where they have really tough um, laws on kind of letting people go from jobs, they actually use it really awfully as a tactic to stop people, to make people leave the job instead of having to fire them and having to pay, um, having to pay severance. So I think that that goes to show just how effective it can be in really being awful in really being something that gets in the way of your life and in the way of your work. Um, and essentially, I guess, you know, I ha don't have some big conclusion on kind of how to avoid bore out, but it seems to be, you know, making sure that you're getting things into your day that m help you get into your flow. So that a high challenge and high skill level that you really feel like you lose your sense of time or that you really feel valued in, you feel appreciated in. Um, whether that's not at work or whether that is at work. Um, and, you know, I found that exploration really, really interesting, but also a real sign of, you know, some people, I think we can often feel like we're burnt out when actually we're just not doing anything that fulfills us. So it's hard to get that motivation. It's hard to get that discipline going um, when there isn't that kind of spark behind it. Yeah, so well said. I'm so glad we touched on that because I feel like so many podcasts probably do talk about burnout and about, you know, how we can be frazzled when we've got so many opportunities, but what, what happens if the opposite is your problem that you feel like actually you don't have the opportunities you, you want and how to get into your flow. I think that's, yeah, really, really useful. So, you know, if you need more of that, then go and buy Grace's book. It's really great. Um, and huge congrats on it. I'm really, I'm so excited for, for people to read it and for it to start a bit more of a conversation, carry on the conversation. Well, thank you so much. And thank you for having me. And um, also huge fan of everything you've done, as I said. Um, so no, thank yeah. you so much for having me. And it's been great to chat about everything. Thank you. I remember watching your YouTube videos years ago when you were 
at Oxford doing your stuff and I was like who is this woman it's amazing (laughs) so what you've done over the past not even that long is incredible so long may it continue (laughs) thanks for coming on